0: well good morning friends it's uh, good to be with you again today for those of you who maybe have not met me i'm tim johnson director of the minnesota church ministries association and long-term member and part of this fellowship along with my dear wife who's sitting right there in the third row some of you may know mary (laughs) But it's it's always an honor to have the chance to stand in for our pastors along the way and um, to look into the word of god with you this morning for many years a certain dynamic in the christian church has been documented and that is that those who come to faith in christ and get involved in the local church end up being absorbed in the relationships and activities in the local assembly to the point that they no longer have meaningful connections with people outside of the church in fact within three years this phenomenon oftentimes happens in the life of a believer now that's not really surprising because uh, we have only so much time and energy uh, for activities and relationships in our lives and we tend to spend more time on activities and with people who have the same values as we do and so it's natural for those within the inner circle of the church to absorb our attention and our affection more so than people outside and um uh, yet we have been declared by our lord just before he ascended into heaven he made the comment that you shall be my witnesses and for many christians they experience because of that command and their seeming lack of obedience to it have a low-grade frustration sometimes a sense of guilt over the fact they are not doing more to accomplish the commission that god has given us And so it's helpful for us to not only alleviate that guilt, but help us to be mobilized in that cause, to look at Scripture from time to time, that'll give us some practical ways in which we can connect with the outsider as uh, Paul, in just a two-verse passage we're looking at today, admonishes us. Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says this, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In these two brief verses, there's some important principles that were relevant to the first century church as well as to the 21st century church. Three of them on the outline you find in your bulletin this morning will bring to light in the next minutes. First of all, we're called to think. We need to think through how to wisely approach the outsider and to make most of every opportunity. First of all, we should recognize that the way we act, according to the text, the way we behave is important because outsiders beyond the church, beyond the faith, are observing us. As we live in open view of outsiders, we must be careful to be kind and gracious, people of integrity, uh, dependability in our connections with them, or we may well lose opportunities um, if we are living inconsistently before them. And it's interesting, even when you're not trying how the presence of the Spirit of God gives off a particular impression to people. I took a group of senior citizens up to Fargo, North Dakota. That's Fun City, USA, by the way. <clears throat> we went up through Alexandria. It was dubbed the Viking Explorer Tour. So we went to the Runestone Museum in, in Alexandria, went on to the Jemkampst Center in Morehead had a nice time overnight at a hymn sing at the local free church. And anyway, we stayed at the Fairfield Inn for that one night. And uh, in the morning, I was checking things out, getting the receipt from the desk clerk. And he made an interesting comment. He said, wow, I've loved having your group here. Just as I was watching them relate to one another their conversations the the love was flowing deeper than i've ever seen it in this room (laughs) and i thought to myself you know even though these people were not aiming to be evangelists in their impression that they were giving just the way they were relating to one another the kindness and love was obvious to an outsider looking in and you know something that's something that's happening in a greater way than you realize in your own lives as you go out if you are walking with god and the spirit is alive and well in you and you're being guided by the holy spirit as well as his word you're having a bigger impact than you probably even give yourself credit for can you say amen to that that's uh, the action the behavior that we we are responsible for does give an impression jesus said in matthew 5 16 let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven however it's not just our behavior but the way we approach people too is part of our action with them how we approach the outsider we must make sure that we don't destroy the opportunities we have by our tone Or the approach having a caustic adversarial attitude toward outsiders sets us up for failure with them Uh, i saw this on the flip side a few years ago i met a a guy at who's ringing over at the dollar store in eden prairie it's one of my favorite places to shop it's the emporium for the discriminating shopper (coughs) anyway this guy was obviously of African extraction and and I said, uh, my friend, what, what country are you from? And he says, well, I'm from Ethiopia. I said, well, that's interesting. That's one African country I haven't been to yet. And uh, chatted him up a little bit. And I said, you know, I'd love to sit down and talk to with you at a, lo- a greater greater length conversation sometime soon. He said, okay, tomorrow at four o'clock. <laughs> So we exchanged uh, phone numbers, and sure enough, at 10 minutes to 4, he calls me up, and he says, okay, I'm a man of my word, 4 o'clock, down at the caribou shop at the, at the at the mall. And so I said, okay. So I met up with him, and I brought with me a couple of my booklets that I have written to share with him. It turned out that he was uh, an Ethiopian Muslim, and... Um, I discovered quickly that I was on the receiving end of an Islamic evangelist's ministry. Uh, He (laughs) immediately launched into a presentation on the five pillars of Islam, and uh, he uh, didn't have much time for my booklets. In fact, uh, he gave them back to me and said, you know, I will never read these, so... (laughs) You may as well share them with somebody else. And uh, in the course of the conversation, he also said, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get together with you is to see if perhaps there was a woman in your church who would be willing to be my wife. (laughs) And uh, he said, I have a wife back in Ethiopia, but I really need another one here in the United States. (laughs) And uh, I said, well, I can assure you there is probably no woman who is interested in marrying you at Prairie Hill. But uh, in the course of all of that, I realized that he really didn't have an interest in me. I, I, I was interested in establishing some kind of friendship to learn something from him, but he wasn't terribly interested in me. And yet, as I walked away, I thought... Is that much different than some of our approaches as evangelicals in our outreach Uh, we come across sometimes as if the outsider is an enemy they are opponents against which we must win arguments but instead we must be willing to lovingly engage people and that's the mindset we need to enter into uh, with them showing genuine interest in them so first of all we need to think through how we should approach outsiders with wisdom and love but it goes on not only that we should think but we also need to talk or have a conversations tactically we're encouraged to talk that is to actually have conversations with individuals who are outsiders and that means you actually have to reach out and strike up a conversation now some of you may not be uh, geared in that direction you may not think you have special relational gifts Uh, you may be hesitant because you just not are not an outgoing person naturally and yet this is part and parcel of our commission and the mandate that Jesus has given us but it simply involves a willingness to strike up conversations with people sometimes uh, using even superficial matters to get the conversational ball rolling and we need to train ourselves i believe you should be willing to chat up greet warmly and lovingly the next person you meet regardless of who he or she is on friday i met uh, with my associate director matt stacy who He's a pastor out in Long Prairie. We met him in Rogers for lunch. And we engaged a young man who was on his first day as server at the restaurant we landed at. And he was a, he was a nice guy. He was a sophomore at the University of Minnesota. And, uh, you know, just initially I engaged him with the question, well, tell me are you aiming to be a server here at the restaurant for the rest of your career, or do you have some other career goals? (laughs) And he smiled and he said, well, who knows? Maybe I will be here for the rest of my life. But uh, he said, no, I'm at the university. I'm majoring in biology, and I plan to pursue a physical therapy career. And so after just a few leading questions all the way through, uh, we, we got to know a fair amount about his life, and um, in the end, I said, you know, I wish you well. You you really have served us well and you meet the public well. You'll do well in this job and I'm sure in your, your future career too. And that was about all that was said. Now, it's possible that I will never see that guy again. Probably it's probable that I will never see it. But in terms of the work of the kingdom, what good did we do? It's very possible that in the course of that meal where he was serving us he overheard what matt and i were talking about and could understand that we were religious professionals uh, committed to christian faith and activity and it may have undone some of the stereotypes he might have had about christianity and about christians and would set him up prepare him for a deeper message by somebody else along the way. Can you say amen to that? You know something? That's something that you are probably doing every week and you're not really aware of it as you engage people and exude love and grace in uh, the people that you meet. You know, I pick up famously on very superficial things. I compliment people on their dreadlocks, um, oftentimes they'll say, man, you've got a great set of dreads. And they'll say, thank you, thank you, sir. And I say, you know, I've been trying that for 67 years myself, and it never quite comes out. And they say, well, keep on trying. And I said, not out of my bald spot. <laughs> nothing's nothing's going to come. But uh, tattoos are another thing that are conversation, conversation starter Um I'm probably never going to have a tattoo. I don't know if that encourages you, Mary, or not. But but uh, those who have tattoos have stories to tell. Every tattoo has a story connected with it, and people will proudly tell you the the whole the whole ra- realm of their their life on the tattoos. On this arm, I have all the women in my life that have influenced me. And here i have all the men that influenced me on my chest and on my back i have bible verses that have uh, inspired me and uh, one guy even pulled his shirt all the way off to show all the artwork on him and one guy saw a woman's name with a circle and a line through it and uh, i said what's what's the story there and he says oh that was one time when i was having an argument with my mother <laughs> So he had his mother's name crossed out. But every one of these has a story, and once you start engaging them—not really in curiosity—I often say, "Man, you got some great-looking artwork there!" And they will launch into a description of 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 all that was that has uh, been imprinted on their body. But it opens up a conversation where who knows where it may lead over time. I always am listening because I have my experience in Africa work uh, for accents. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a Subway shop in Bloomington, and I heard a guy come in and order uh, a sandwich, and uh, I could hear an African accent. So he sat down across from me, and I said, tell me, friend, where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from uh, Liberia originally, right now i am an investigator with the irs <laughs> and i said wow you you are really an american success story aren't you 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 are a man to be feared and uh he's, he he opened up to me to the point where we had a longer conversation just this last week and he is a brother in christ By the way that that doesn't mean that you can't open up to people the outsider really may be the outsider beyond your own immediate fellowship but here was a a brother in christ who shared with me his story and he finds that he has some of the same concerns about africa ministry that we're trying to address in our ministry over there and he's become a very warm-hearted supporter and and friend but it was all listening for the accent that got us connected and we look forward to an ongoing relationship what i'm telling you is this just take whatever opportunity you have to open up a dialogue and let the holy spirit Lead wherever that conversation may go, uh, but we need to take the first step but we 're called to engage people in conversation, but also to have an actual conversation which requires two way communication in which you 're actually listening to the other person you 're not trying to identify their error or unsound thinking so you can correct them. You're not constantly trying to manipulate the direction of the conversation so that you can crowbar in a presentation of the four spiritual laws or the Roman road. But you're genuinely showing interest in that person because you know several things about a person even before you meet them. One, they are worthy of your attention because they are special creations of God, created in the image of God. Two, they have a story that is worth hearing from their own experience three you will be blessed by the personal interest uh we we will oh they will be blessed excuse me by the personal interest we show in them they will be enriched by the insights that you are going to be able to share with them from your experience in life as well as special insight from the spirit and from the word you will we They will offer us helpful insights and wisdom as well from their experience. Even the unbeliever, the one who's totally outside, gives us insight on the nature of the world in which we live. And finally, that person can possibly be a partner in a lifelong relationship that will be a mutual blessing. Can you approach the next person you meet with the idea that this could be a lifelong friend, this is someone I could walk with and benefit from and be a blessing to as well. Those connections of two, two-way communication can be a blessing to everybody we meet as well as to ourselves. But that conversation not only needs to be two-way, it also needs to be marked by grace. Not with legalism, not with prejudgment, not with condemnation. We are to approach outsiders willing to hear their story and to develop rapport so that we can talk about deeper and deeper matters of faith in due course. Not with a prepackaged one-size-fits-all presentation, but in the process, we will be engaging people in ongoing conversation with grace and have opportunity to express the truth of God with genuine Christian love. I have told you before about one of my friends I met maybe ten years ago over at the old savers store in bloomington, and he helped me um, secure some extra bags before a trip to africa to to transport bibles and books and a very engaging sweet nineteen uh, year old i found out african american kid and and at the end of that i said has anyone told you recently how well you do your job and he said well no sir i haven't heard that but i tell you after what i've been through this week i really appreciate that could i give you a hug (laughs) and i said sure hug away so uh i'm i told him you know i do a lot of mentoring and life coaching with guys your age and i love to meet up with you after i get back from africa and he said yeah let's do that and he was the one who called me when when i got back and so we had our first get together and we went out to breakfast and right out of the chute he gave me his story he said you know i was abused by a dance instructor at age 14 and that launched me into five years of heavy duty homosexual activity and i've come now to age 20 and i am still dreaming of what i've always dreamed of marrying a woman and raising a family and i figure if i'm going to get about that project i better get started (laughs) and i said well that's a noble goal but you're probably going to need a little help if uh, you're going to get there because of what you've been through and so I got him connected with the Outpost Ministry here in town, which helps men with same sex attraction. And he went through that program. And frankly, I, I don't know that it cut a lot of ice with him. Uh, however, he, he got a good exposure, and he already had exposure to the gospel and to what Christian life is supposed to be about. But he fell off the radar screen after a little while, and then few, About a year and a half later i get a call from him and he says um tim i i've gotten involved in some things i want to talk to you about i haven't had the confidence to do that till now but let me let me get together with you and i said okay met him for lunch and he had gotten involved in one of these black israelite cults down in minneapolis and if you're familiar with that that's uh, the belief that the lost tribes of israel migrated to africa and The true Jews today are the Ibu people of Africa, and uh, most, most of the slaves in America were Ibu people that were transported over here, and so he told me with great fervor, for the first time in my life, I have a sense of connection and destiny and identity because my lineage goes right back to King David. And I said, well, it's not exactly the Bible I'm reading, but uh, just kind of left it at that. I said, I, I don't quite understand all that, nor, nor do I, I see that it squares with Scripture. But he, he left that. I mean, I, he left me. <laughs> and a year and a half later, I got a call from him. And he said, Tim, I'm in L.A. now. I'm working retail. And I said, really? Are, are you still with the black Israelites? And he said, Oh no, those guys are crazy. <laughs> and uh, I said, Are you any, in any relationship? And uh, he said, Yes. And I said, Male or female? And he said, Well, male, of course. And I said, Well, he said, He's an Indian guy and I plan to get married to him. And so, uh, you know, you, you swallow hard and, and just wish him well and hope that there's some kind of connection that continues. Uh, last December he called me to say, you know, I'm going to be in Minneapolis next week. I'd love to get together with you. And uh, I said, sure, I'll meet up with you. So this was uh, first week in January. I saw him down at an apartment where he was staying with a friend. I was waiting for him in the lobby. And there he came down dressed as a woman. And so he and I were to go out to dinner together. So he and I got onto the train to go down to a restaurant. And he said, oh, are you going to make any comment about the elephant in the room? And I said, well, I assume you're going through a transition. And he said, yes, yes, I am. I'm I'm identifying as a woman. And um, so we had kind of a stilted conversation And uh, I said, you know, even from what you've been trained in, you know that this is is not really either natural or right. He said, well, you got very, very stern with me. (laughs) He said, this is who I am, and you need to accept me. Well, I gave him her a hug and uh, said goodbye. And two months later, I get a call from him sobbing on the phone. He said, oh, all this transgender business I've been involved with is an abomination before God. I quit taking my hormones last month, and I I just need to get my life straightened out. And I said, well, what about homosexuality? And he said, that's an abomination too. I just need to get, get straightened out. And I said, well, praise God. The truth has come to you, and you're being convicted at this point. Now, unfortunately next time i got tried to get a hold of him his phone was not operable (laughs) so i'm still waiting for the next call from him but why do i raise that all there were several points along the way where in evangelical conviction and sanctimoniousness i could have kicked him to the curb easily at any one of those points where he was deviating from uh, the path of truth and yet It's come to the point now where he tells me, you're the only one I can really talk to about these things. And we have a connection that will, I'm praying, continue to develop and through that relationship, continue to be able to voice truth to him. And uh, even through periods where he doesn't always respond, have faith that God is going to keep us connected and have faith that other voices will be uh spoken into his life in order to move him forward and really that is what we have to have faith in friends as we connect with outsiders it's not just us who may bring them to faith god may use five or six or ten other people too and we must just be uh faithful in the time we have with people to nudge them toward faith and growth we must be willing to open up gracious conversations with people with no preconceived notions of the trajectory of the discussion and a willingness to continue to walk with them into the future Uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 3:15, "Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect." We can't come in with flames blazing and uh, expect to have a hearing. Bring the truth and speak it in love in a gracious way. So, where to think? Where to talk? finally we are to tailor according to the text we enter into gracious conversations seasoned with salt that is giving just the right flavor treating each person in a unique way just as we salt food to taste some dishes need more salting than others to make them palatable so in the ending of that text that we may know how to answer everyone and i'm arguing today for long-term Relationships and conversations where we're able to tailor our witness to people over time and be able to fit in the Christian message just to meet the needs as you go. When we take the time to hear from people, to hear their heart, to understand their values, to hear their story and have, and and about all of the influences in their lives that have brought them to this point then we'll have a clearer understanding of how the Christian message needs to be presented to them. Now, I realize there are those even here in this room who have been trained in and continue to practice more confrontational kinds of evangelism where there's a more standardized presentation to present the gospel and confront people with their need for a savior. And those methods certainly are are valid and have produced hundreds and thousands of people coming to faith. And yet all of us, regardless of our giftedness or training, can enter into these kind of relationships with patience to pursue an ongoing connection where there is deepening conversation and we can have a lifelong opportunity to influence people for good and for God. Uh, I think it was seven or eight years ago, I first met my friend Mohammed over at Walmart. You can probably guess what denomination he's from. Uh, I met him as he was the vegetable man at Walmart, and he was arranging vegetables. And I went up and I saw his name badge, Mohammed. and I said, well, Mohammed, tell me, what, what country are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Gambia. And I said, well, that's great. That's one West African country I have not been to. He said, well, why have you been avoiding Gambia? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not really avoiding it, but I work with church leaders, Christian church leaders, and I know Gambia's uh, 95% Muslim. And he said, well, we still have churches in Gambia. You need to go to Gambia. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll put that on my agenda. Maybe you can get me there. But we chit-chatted for a while, exchanged contacts, and that night I got some of the sweetest texts from that man who said, oh, your, your personality is just so irresistible. I don't think my wife has even told me that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I met him, and we began to get together uh, for lunch on a fairly regular basis, and I asked him at one point, uh, Muhammad, how many Christian friends do you have? And he said, only one, and it's you. <laughs> and that is what is so wonderful. I want to know everything there is to know about Christianity. Well, we've continued to walk together over these years. And last year, um, or two years ago maybe, Joel Quee, who was pastor at the Prairie Lutheran Church, had a forum where he and his good friend, an imam here in Eden Prairie, who'd gotten to be good friends uh, came together in a forum to describe aspects of islam and aspects of christianity and so muhammad went with me to that to that gathering further getting a better understanding about christianity we have talked on many angles of christian faith and um, I've, I've told him you know muhammad someday you're going to come to faith in jesus christ He says, well, I think you'll become a Muslim as well. (laughs) I said, I'm not sure that that's true. But he said, well, I tell you, Tim, I love you, and I trust anything that you believe has got to have some truth to it. So I'm willing to hear more. So that door continues to be open, and uh, um, I told him a few weeks ago, maybe I need to find some online testimonies of people who have converted from Islam to Christianity and that will give you some of the rationale for a change. So I forwarded a couple of them to him and he said, my goodness, those arguments do not hold water at all. In fact, I think that that woman who gave her testimony must be mentally ill. Well, that didn't quite convince him, but we continue to walk together and uh, find ways to meet him where he's at bring christian truth to him and love and so we've begun the practice of praying for each other at the end of each of our meals and pray for his uh, spiritual understanding uh, the welfare of his family and he prays to allah for me at the same time Uh, one way or the other i believe he'll be dragged kicking and screaming into the kingdom one of these days can you say amen to that It's all a matter of walking with people and tailoring our message so that it can have the greatest effect. As Francis Schaeffer used to say, how then shall we live? Let me suggest three thoughts. First of all, evaluate your sphere of influence. Celebrate the influence you currently have. You realize some of you may be sitting there thinking, oh, I don't think I've ever done anything for God. I haven't really led anybody to the Lord. You maybe have led more people toward the Lord than you realize by your example, by your spirit, uh, by the way you carry yourself. And within Prairie Hill, in any average week, there's far more impact than we realize or that we celebrate. We should thank God for that because I believe that by the power and encouragement and motivation of the spirit you are faithfully engaging family members and neighbors and co-workers and people in your community so evaluate that and celebrate it as well then explore individuals that you need to come closer to there may be people within your reach right now that you haven't really had a meaningful conversation with pray for them aim to strike up conversations and find a natural hook to start talking with them and then I would say, extend yourself to new friends too. Evaluate, explore, extend. This message has had two through two alliterated outlines. It's got to be a blessing to you. Anyway, train yourself. Train yourself to love the next person you meet right on the spot. Show that the that in your love and respect and kindness and affirmation and just wait to see the response you get people are always open to love in all of this don't feel that you have to deeply engage the whole world but start out by even superficially engaging as many people as you can and those starter conversations in some cases will deepen pray that god will give you one new meaningful friendship a year for the rest of your life isn't that a doable goal one fresh new meaningful relationship for the rest of your life each year if we were all doing that we would turn the world upside down so what do i say well as the apostle paul said be wise in the way you act toward outsiders make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone in other words think talk and tailor and one year from now you will have amazing testimonies of how god has used you to share his love grace and gospel it shall be so it shall be so it shall be so by god's grace and power amen thank you lord for the fact that you've honored us To be co-laborers together with you in presenting both the music and the words of the gospel as we reach out to those around us lord help us to be increasingly faithful in obedience to your command to be witnesses the power that is in us and also the words of the gospel that need at some point to be communicated to bring life and faith to others Lord, help us find the creative ways through ongoing and deepening conversations with those who are outside uh, to do just that, to glorify you and to move the work of your church forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.